Welcome to the Japan Longing Club podcast, a podcast for those who long to travel to Japan and appreciate media, games, and real life culture from Japan and the world beyond. We're your hosts, Jared and Randy. Randy, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. No complaints. What about you, J Man? I am doing pretty good too. We're here recording episode nine of the Japan Longing Club podcast. It's a special bonus episode, a little different from our regular format. And we're going to be going over the 10 things that you need to know before traveling to Japan, as according to this particular article <laughs> that we had found on the <laughs> World Wide Web.、Uh, I think we had some fun doing the、uh, 40 unmissable experiences、uh, in Japan.、Mm-hmm. So that was a fun time. At least I think it was. I had a good time. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So if you haven't listened to that episode out there, Listeners, go check that one out. That was really cool. So many cool experiences. Tonight's, though, this 10 Things You Need to Know Before Traveling to Japan by Mike Grindle on the website wanderwisdom.com. So I just have to say this, Randy, the way this article came into my life was once you start looking at like, you know, Japan Guide and Japan articles, And your Instagram、mm-hmm. is recommending five second reels of random scenery and trains passing in the country. <laughs>、uh, you also get some really <laughs> strange、um, list articles、uh, that get recommended through the, the Google. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yeah, I mean, some, you just look at one figure website and now you just served statuettes of waifus all day long. That actually happened to me yesterday.、Uh, I was on a random Facebook page and there was this amazing statue of Gon from Hunter x Hunter. And it was、mm-hmm. so cool. I can't even describe it because it's spoilers. And it's like a $600 statue. And everyone's、mm. asking, where do you find such a statue? And finally, someone posts a link. I go there and I'm pretty sure it's all like unofficial statues、uh, because that like famous. Tifa statue that was making the rounds a few weeks ago was、mm-hmm. on there. And I'm like, oh, I guess I found where they sell these.、Um, <laughs> and that's Tifa from Final Fantasy VII.、Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so,、uh, but it looks so good. It's like, is that real or, or not? But yeah, then you start getting like recommended figures every other day. So,、mm-hmm. man. But let's see. So, wanderwisdom.com looks like it's like a travel site. It's all kinds of list ideas and things you can do in all of these different countries. So I would say check it out if you're looking for some quick ideas. But what we're going to do is、uh, take these 10 things we need to know before traveling to Japan. And we're going to read each one going back and forth and talk about them a little bit. Sound like a good time? Sounds like a good time to me, man. Let's do it. Let's jump in. Number one the Japanese take their trash home with them. Walking around the streets of Japan, you'll quickly realize that trash cans are few and far between. That's because it's custom in Japan to take and dispose of any trash at home. If you're lucky, you might find one or two in the more touristy areas. But be aware that if you grab a bite to eat on the move, you might be holding on to your rubbish for a long while. That sounds great, just because everybody is on the same page and everything is going to be clean and you won't have so much litter everywhere. Man, that sounds, that sounds great. Take me there. Yeah. And a few episodes ago of the Japan Long Club podcast, we talked about that news article where even more trash bins were being removed from like the most 
popular train stations in Tokyo. So mm-hmm. that was uh, an interesting article and um, even lesser trash bins is, is very, very interesting. Cause like, especially as a tourist, uh, you know, you have, there's a lot of plastic use over there. So it's like, you will be holding onto that for a while and you can't just leave it on the train and you can't really just leave it anywhere because that's a huge faux pas. Like you just don't do that. Right. Yeah. That'd be great. Considering I got on a bus today and there was just somebody had a Taco Bell feast and there was just rappers everywhere. I'm so sorry. It's like the the striking difference sometimes of returning back to the United States from Japan was how dirty uh, the airport was compared to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. All right, Randy, what's number two? So number two, you don't need to tip. Tipping culture is not a thing in Japan. In fact, overpaying someone can be highly inappropriate and offensive in some circumstances. So avoid any potential issues by just paying the price listed. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, No tipping in Japan. If you leave your money behind as a tip, there's a lot of stories out there that someone from the restaurant will run out after you to give you your money. There was a really interesting article uh, a little while back, maybe it was last year it came out, that there was uh, like a restaurant or a company that was trying to introduce a tipping system to restaurants in Japan, and there was a mm. lot of backlash to it. I'm not sure actually where that ended up. Did you ever hear about that? I did not, but I'm glad there was backlash because, man, it's too late for us here, but I really wish we'd get rid of it. Yeah, I not hear Not because, you. just to be clear, people need to get paid better. <laughs> it's not that I don't like to pay people. I will obviously pay a higher amount per item if uh, all the employees get paid well. But just like, it's so annoying to figure all that out. And it's it sucks. Especially because, you know, then you're left on the... You're not you. The person working is left on the hook if you have a customer who decides, eh, I don't need to tip. That's fine. Yeah, tipping stories. Anybody who's worked in the service industries has a tip story uh you know even like last week i was in a local like sandwich shop chain and their system now allows for you to tip like through that system and i actually commented mm-hmm. on it to them i said that's kind of cool so i did give them like a small tip but i don't think i ever did in the past you know but because it mm-hmm. was presented to me i just did it um because i do think everyone deserves a little bit <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. All right. Number three, always wear socks. Always wearing socks might seem like strange advice, but the thing is, at some point during your stay, you'll probably be asked to take your shoes off. You may already be aware that it's customary in Japan to take your shoes off before you enter a home, but many restaurants and the like also enforce this rule. So keep a good matching pair on at all times. Man, that sounds like great advice. Always wear socks, which... Sucks, because, like, there's a lot of sandals and stuff, like, that doesn't look great with socks. That would be bad, but it makes yeah. sense. I feel like I have a very particular memory of getting on, like, the wrong train car. Uh, I got on a business class car, not the women's only car. I, I made sure of that, at least. But I got on a business <laughs> class car, and this guy, like, walked out in, like, a like a Hawaiian shirt-type stuff style shorts and flip-flops and i can't remember if he was wearing socks Mm. but i remember most of what he was wearing because such a striking moment that someone was trying to help me (laughs) Um, yeah (laughs) but yeah like what happens if he goes into like uh there's certain 
like shrine and temple areas that you can pay money to go up into. So when you take like a step up, basically that usually means like you need to be looking down to see if there's a step up and if there's other shoes on the ground, like take your shoes off. Sometimes there's slippers there for you. But yeah, I'm wondering if it's culturally okay that you could just walk barefoot. I don't know. I'm sure, you know, they might not say anything to your face. But they're probably like, oh, why didn't you just wear socks, man? Yeah, nobody wants to look at my feet, so I just usually wear socks anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I wear socks out of a sense of shame, like all human beings should. (laughs) All right, what's the next one here? So, number four, tattoos are still taboo. You might see your tattoos as a fun way to express yourself, but in Japan, tattoos still have some highly negative stigma attached to them. That's because being inked was especially popular with criminal gangs such as the Yakuza. While perceptions are slowly changing, showing off your tattoos will probably get you some funny looks. Also, certain places such as bathhouses may deny you entry, outright if you've got a lot of ink. As a result, it can pay to bring a little skin tone tape with you to cover up, especially if you're planning to visit more traditional and less touristy areas. Mm, I think a lot of people know of this one, but uh, recently one of my friends was talking about going to japan and she has tattoos and she had no clue that this was a a thing and she's actually been there before so Hmm. she's been to japan before and actually didn't really know about the tattoo situation at all huh i uh i'm a coward so i will be good anytime i go (laughs) you don't want to show off your kingdom hearts tattoos come on I've I've thought about getting some of something here and there, but I just haven't done it because I'm I'm a scared I'm a scared widow baby, Jared. I don't believe that at all. I know you have the power to get a tattoo, but it, I guess uh, it is true that when you get it on certain places, it hurts more, right? Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, tattoos they are still taboo. Uh, I know that with the Olympics that had been coming in, there was I think there was like some literature going around or going out to different businesses that, you know, there's even a more higher influx of tourists coming in who are going to have tattoos. And they were trying to further adapt it. I still see stories or you can hear stories on podcasts or on YouTube and stuff like that of people who still experience issues in some rural areas or some well-known traditional like Ryokan that may have like a bath there. It's like an onsen as well. So some places you can just research online. Uh, When I was looking recently, there's websites out there for tattoo-friendly onsen. So what you can do Mm. is just search the area and see if it will be friendly. Um, You'll find a list of ones that are still not going to let you in the bath. Uh, and then, yeah, some people do get like skin colored bandages or just bandages in general to cover your tattoo. But if you have a bigger tattoo, that's hard to do. Right. So. Right. For sure. So some people just don't want to deal with that. So sometimes they go in the bath really late, you know, that kind mm. of stuff. Uh, but anyways. Yeah. All right. Number five, you must respect the subway's rules. The subways in your home city might be noisy and chaotic places. But in Japan, the rules of the underground are taken very seriously. For example, activities such as talking on cell phones or eating and drinking are highly frowned upon. Also, be prepared to line up whenever you enter or leave the train and avoid sitting in seats reserved for the pregnant, the elderly, or those with disabilities. That makes sense. I mean, it just seems like we 
let chaos reign supreme here. <laughs> Even though there are rules and general guidelines, we don't listen. But here in Japan, seems like, you know, people actually respect each other, which is nice. And uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, follow the rules. And it helps if they're posted somewhere. Yeah. But I suppose if you're just coming over and you're used to the literal Wild West here, <laughs> it could be a bit of a shock. I think that the seats for elderly and pregnant are usually pretty defined. The cultural rules of like, I feel like I remember seeing a lot of people just like with their head down and being quiet on the trains. Mm-hmm. There was never anybody on a call. So like compare that to the New York subway system or the Boston transit that I've been on uh, both of those many times, uh, it's always just like there's people on their phones there's people playing music on their phones there's just people sometimes like partying and then you have like those (laughs) break dancers who come on your train (laughs) between grand central and Times square station that little train that takes you over they just break Mm. dance every five minutes i mean (laughs) i don't don't know you know it's it's definitely very different (laughs) yeah uh number six the toilets can be a challenge The toilets in Japan are infamous for how high-tech they are. And yes, they really do come equipped with all sorts of gadgets, from music players to deodorizers. On the other end of the spectrum are the more traditionally styled squat toilets built into the floor. You'll often find these in older buildings, and they can take some getting used to if you've never used them before. But thankfully, most places do offer both options. As a person who will sing the praises of a bidet from here to the end of time, till Judgment Day, Jared, sounds really great to go to uh, Japan where uh, you would have these more high tech toilets. The, the ground ones though, I would be, I would be like, Oh, I'm going somewhere else. Or (laughs) if it's like my hotel room is like that, I will look for a different place to stay the night. Cause oof, oofa doofa. (laughs) Most public toilets from my experience are more modernized toilets. And a lot of them do have that kind of tech in them. Very one, like rarely or once in a while, I was finding like a squat toilet. But whenever there was one, there was always like a Western style toilet near it. Mm. I think the one, you know, like one of the times there was like, oh, I don't have any option. It was like on a train or something. And I just wasn't expecting like a squat toilet to be on this train. And, <laughs> um, you know, you just kind of like swayed back and forth with the motion of the car. But depending on what you got to do with that toilet, I don't think I'd be able to do it myself. I don't think I have those no. amazing skills. So I don't have the legs or core strength or I don't know the flexibility to make <laughs> that happen. But yeah, I mean, it's not that common. You'll you'll probably find exactly what you're looking for but yeah bidets are amazing they all they know the heated seats the courtesy sound flushes and all this other stuff uh mm-hmm. yeah i wish i had a bidet i've been looking into one here <laughs> do it i gotta buy a new one for the new place it'll be majestic awesome <laughs> for seven it pays to learn basic japanese phrases and letters Quite a few Japanese people speak English, but this is still a minority. So don't assume you'll be able to strike up a conversation in English with everybody you meet. It's also worth mentioning that not everything is likely to feature English labeling. 
As a result, it will be worthwhile to not only learn a few Japanese phrases before you go, but also to learn what a few basic symbols mean. I'm already on it, man. I've got 380-some days of Duolingo under my belt. I know I know some things here or there. You have more under your belt than I ever did going there, so you are prepared. <laughs> okay, well, good. I mean, once it comes to kanji, it can be very tough, <laughs> but otherwise I can I can kind of get it out or at least ask, like, what is this? Help me. I'm, I'm very stupid. I think that the majority of like critical things that you need will have some English on them. So those train stations are really good at it. There's a lot of, you know, travel apps and different map apps out there that will help you to get from point A to point B and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But I think that studying some of the language before you go will help you to, to basically, you know, be able to pull out a, like I have a little guide next to me that has basic questions like, where is this? Or, I am looking for this medication, right? And if you have a better sense mm. of how to say that, uh, maybe under like recognize some of those symbols and how they're supposed to be pronounced and stuff, that really helps you and they'll be able to understand you a bit more. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Number eight, stick to the left. Like the British and Australians, the Japanese drive on the left side of the road, which can be a little jarring if you're from somewhere like the Americas. The habit of keeping to the left is also carried over to human traffic and serves as an unspoken rule when taking escalators or getting on and off public transit. Yeah, I wish more people here remembered what side you're supposed to be on, not for driving, just for walking, because it's so annoying. It's like, uh, this this part of the hallway or this part of the road or sidewalk is where when you go this direction. Why are you walking towards me? Be on that side. It's totally open. This is just my time to gripe, so I apologize. What do you oh, think? Hey. Uh, just a couple quick things. One, I hear you. It's kind of funny, like going into a public place and just people have no sense of what side they should be walking on. Like we're in the United States. You, you drive on the right. So why are you mm-hmm. walking towards me on the left with your big shopping cart? Uh, in Japan, the, it is pretty, you kind of, you, it is pretty cool. Like you pick up on it that, yeah, it's usually on the left. Uh, I cannot remember where exactly there's a bit of a shift because I believe maybe going towards Osaka that it actually switches to the right uh, or maybe that's Hiroshima. But basically, Tokyo is definitely like one way. And then in some other city, though, they do it a different and you'll hmm. notice pretty quickly <laughs> if you just get behind someone. And they're and like that correct side of the the road there, for example, or the the escalator. That that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. You'll pick up on it, but you can always Google it ahead of time. But yeah, heads up, it does shift in at least one area, as far as I remember. Whew, confusing. A little bit, and be careful because people do zoom past you. Like they do that so that people who are at, like in a rush or they want to be quick, they do go pretty quick past you. It's like it's kind of surprising <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Number nine. The metro is not open 24-7. Considering Japan's obsession with convenience, you might think that the metro would always be open in major cities, or at least until very late. But in actuality, most metros in Japan are generally closed by 1am at the very latest. Keep this in mind if you're planning a night out. Otherwise, you might get stuck with a long walk or an expensive cab back to the hotel. Now, I assume this person is British. Probably. (laughs) 
uh, because they had used the words like rubbish before rather than trash or things like that. So when they say metros, do they mean the train or do they mean like metropolitan areas where things, everything would be closed? Or is it like uh, trains also don't run past 1 a.m.? I'm pretty sure that what they're getting at is the public transportation for trains. So subway system. Okay, right. That makes sense. I thought so. But then they had brought up that, you know, most metros in Japan are generally closed at 1 a.m. So I was like, closed? Or you mean just like not in service? But okay. Yeah, not in service. I mean, 1 a.m. is fairly late. I think so that there's certain lines that are like shut off much earlier than that. So, Mm. yes, it is known that if you are going to go out for a fun night on the town or if you're going to that, was it like that golden guy area and you want to stay out drinking, eat some food or who knows, maybe you're just running late. You know, it's it's always good to have a sense of when last train is. And Mm -hmm. that's also true. Like if you're going between Kyoto and Osaka, sometimes it's fun to go. Uh, to like Osaka for like that nightlife. And then you're like, oh, hey, my hotel though is back in like this certain part of Kyoto. I should probably make sure I get on the uh, last train (laughs) just in time because it can be earlier sometimes than you realize. Right. Yeah. That makes a whole lot of sense because that would be (laughs) very uh, difficult to deal with. But as a man in my thirties, 1am, oh, I am definitely home by then. Don't need to worry there. Yeah, yeah, that is, yeah, especially if, if you're a tourist and you have like a lot planned, uh, the later you get to sleep can be pretty tough. Uh, but yeah, yeah that the person is correct that like the cabs can be very expensive. So much better just to plan your train ride out, set a timer, set an alarm if you need to. If you're having the time of your life, blow it off and get the cab. Who cares? But, um, <laughs> you know, there's ATMs all over the place, right? So. Right. Number 10, department store sushi is really good. You'll likely want to try some sushi while in Japan. After all, it's one of the most popular aspects of Japanese culture around the world. But restaurant sushi can get incredibly expensive. Thankfully, if you haven't got the extra cash to splash, you can't go wrong with department store sushi. And while it might not be the same as getting the full restaurant experience, it's probably still better than anything you've tried elsewhere. And that's what I've heard too. And give it to me. I just want to, I want to go have some. Right now, what about you? Did you ever have department store sushi whilst you were abroad? I am not the biggest fan of sushi. I enjoy just uh, like sashimi. I like raw fish. So I would usually get sashimi more while I was there if I could. But in department stores and uh, convenies like the 7-Elevens and Lawson's and that, I was usually getting the bentos that had like chicken in it or some vegetables and other stuff and i was usually not getting the fish but uh, yes yeah like the fish it's usually people like always rave about it so if you go a little bit later like six or seven they start to mark it down pretty heavily and Mm. you can get really good deals on really good food so Mm. and i think it's sometimes it's hard to envision department store like in the States. When I think of a department store, I have a very clear idea of what that looks like. And I'm thinking like, if I applied that to my thoughts of like going in Japan to a department store, it'd be like, why would there be sushi there maybe? But um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the times they're selling like, you know, X, Y, and Z over here for products. But then over here is like a whole section full of bentos and food. So it kind of mixes it. 
Uh, yeah, totally. I think that it's totally worth it to get some kind of premium experience with some sushi. There's that term, uh, omakase, which is when mm. the chef, you sit with a, a well-known sushi chef who serves you one small plate of handmade sushi at a time. And you sit there for like an hour or two and you, you pay probably a couple hundred dollars. I'm not sure, but you pay a lot of money for a very unique uh, experience that you'll probably never forget. And then also be able to get really good sushi at the department store, right? So, <laughs> it'd be now, whatever you want. Now, omakase, that is where you pay, and then they are going to serve you. You don't get to, you don't get a menu or nothing like that. Right. There's no, I don't believe there's a preset menu. It's a spe, it's omakase. I forget the exact translation, but it's like the chef's, it's like the chef's course. It's the chef's ah. surprise like menu. And they just sit there and they make it for you. I think if you do your research, let me rephrase that. You sit there and they stand and they make it for you and they professionally <laughs> serve it to you. And there's usually sake and stuff like that. I think if you look and you know you do your research, you can find some that aren't as expensive, but a really cool experience. Hmm. Sounds like my nightmare. As a person who is pretty picky, so uh, I'm sure it would be very tasty stuff. But I'm not. I'm not leaving nothing up to chance, and then also have to worry about uh, offending them by being like, "Oh, thank you for this." Absolutely not. I will not put this in my mouth. Next, please. Right, and that that is something where like usually you try to eat what is served to you, or you don't. There's, I believe it's known that there's not as much like food waste in Japan. Uh, I feel like I remember that being a thing, or maybe it's I was just eating all of my food all the time. But it, <laughs> um, no, there are times, yeah. That, I mean, I've been on trips with people where like they did not like the sushi in front of them or something, and it's like oh, that's that sucks. But I think that instead of doing maybe omakase, those uh, traditional dinners at a ryokan where you get like the the very beautiful laid out foods there's a little bit of sashimi there usually um and mm. like an, a plethora of other items that you might not know what they are but it's always worth giving something a shot so i think doing that maybe instead of omakase could be worth it mm. at least that one has some like beef and steak and some <laughs> other stuff i mean i like sushi but there's just some things that i would just like pass i don't want to have that <laughs> If it wasn't for going to Japan, I wouldn't have known that I don't like squid and I don't really like taco, octopus. So is that Ika mm -hmm. and taco? Uh, squid is just too chewy. I mean, I ate it anyways because it was in front of me, but there was sashimi, right? That was served. I was like, oh, hey, mm -hmm. look, I know that. That's octopus. And then I'm like, that's really chewy too. But I sure as do like tuna and salmon and <laughs> other stuff like that. <laughs> cool. Well, we made it to the end of this we did listicle article again it's on wander wisdom and the person who wrote that is mike grindle who is a digital nomad and culture writer sharing insights from his travels Ooh, but randy yes i have a special surprise uh-oh i mean what is it uh-oh it's the 10 things to expect for a first time visitor to japan by matthew Matthew who? Just Matthew. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, also titled The Sights and Sounds of Japan. I think they were trying to, I don't know, put a bunch of tags into the <laughs> the, uh. the article name. Also on Wander Wisdom, uh, we're not going to read each one, but we're just, we're going to read like the, the head title of these to get through them a little quicker. But I think there's some extra ones in here that are worthwhile. Mm -hmm. All right. Here we go. Bonus content. Number one. 
you will be greeted loudly in every shop. Irashimas. <laughs> or uh, Irashimase. Because <laughs> they usually do exaggerate it. Are you familiar with that mm, phrase, Randy? I think I've probably heard it a couple of times when I was playing Yakuza Kiwami. Yes. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, every time I would go into a place. Number two. Noisy pachinko halls are extremely popular. Uh, so I've heard. <laughs> yeah, you probably heard, you probably heard them all the way from here because they're so loud. <laughs> right. You see photos and it's not just volume loud, but lots of bright lights and bright colors. Man, you can't miss it. There are some cool Evangelion ones. I've seen those at PAX East. There's a uh, a group for charity that brings those over and you can buy the little pachinko balls and do the Evangelion pachinko. I've never done it, but you can just stand there and watch people do it. And it is so loud. It's just like <laughs> one machine or something. And it's like, why is this so deafening? <laughs> Number three, people do not jaywalk. Oh, sounds great, man. I don't know. I have, I just love rules. And anytime I see someone breaking them, I just want to be, I want to tattle on them. I want to point at them and call them out on it. So don't, don't jaywalk. Yeah. Like, uh, in this article, they were writing how people just on like a dead street in the middle of the like evening, there's not a car in sight. There's not a person in sight, but because it says don't walk, they don't go. And they wait for the green, even if it takes a minute. And there's literally no vehicle, right? <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll be honest. I switch back and forth whenever that happens. Like, nah, I'm going to wait until it says to go. And sometimes I'm like, why? I'm just going to go. Mm. But I feel bad every time. Part of my soul dies. I think it depends where you are. If you're in New York and you're on like a grid street system and you know there's no cars coming, everyone does it maybe in certain parts of like lower Manhattan where the streets aren't like that. You might maybe be a little extra careful if you're a tourist or like in Boston, I tend to look a little bit longer just because I'm not as familiar. Uh, mm. Yeah. It, it's worth it not to get hit by a car or a bus yeah. or something. So, you know, <laughs> for sure. Uh, number four, love hotels are everywhere. Uh, so, you know, the, was that they, something in Yakuza Kiwami too? <laughs> <laughs> there was. I haven't played the second one, or if you just mean Yakuza Kiwami, also um, as well. I, know, I, I know they think... made a second one too, but <laughs> yes, they've made a lot of Yakuza games. Um, no, but uh, you know, it's uh, a thing that is around uh, versus here in the U.S. where we don't do those anymore. But like, yeah, you can just go and you can you can get a rest or. Do whatever you want. You're an adult. There are some really good YouTubers out there that cover these. Um, Tokidoki Traveler just pushed out some dinosaur-themed love hotel that they went to. Uh, she went to that, uh, like, Abroad in Japan channel. Went to a couple of, like, the worst love hotels they could find. That Tokidoki <laughs> Traveler went to one that had a water slide in it and it was great so there's so many cool references out there just to check out what these are um yeah love hotels are exactly what they sound like but they're also like cheap alternatives that some of them are very well known they're very well clean and you can order food to your room you can order other <laughs> interesting items and things to your room <laughs> um you can do some costumes <laughs> so Ooh. <laughs> you know there's a lot of weird themed 
uh, or nicely themed love hotels that you can look into if you want to, you know, save a little bit of money sometimes and get a room. There you go. So, number five, it is considered polite to slurp your noodles. Slurp, slurp. I knew that one. Mm -hmm. I will have to overcome my desire to be quiet and meek and tiny as possible if uh, I run into that situation. I've tried to slurp noodles and I'm just not good at it. So I literally just like with my spoon and my my chopsticks, I just grab as much as I can and I sort of slurp it in. I mean, apparently if you're really good at it, it pulls in cool air to cool down the noodles too at the same time. But I'm just not that skilled. Mm. Uh, number six is a retread from our previous list, which is people dispose of their trash at home. Mm. Uh, again, not a lot of trash bins. So take it with you. I carry it around. You might have to for a bit. Otherwise, uh, conbinis, convenience stores, uh, will mm. have uh, bins in them to, of course, get rid of the trash from the things you buy when you're in there. Yeah, I know there was one or two of these that kind of retread on what we talked about before. But for listeners who have made it this far, I'll share a really quick story about disposing of trash. So uh, I believe it was the first time I went to Japan. I was very aware of the trash situation. And this is when, this is 2014, when there was apparently more trash bins everywhere, even though I didn't see too many. And mm -hmm. I was carrying my trash in a bag and I made a really bad mistake. I, I was on a local train. I don't remember how this happened, but I accidentally left a small bag of trash on the train and I got off the train and I was like, oh my God, I forgot my trash and I need to go back on there and grab it. And the group wouldn't let me because they knew it was about to leave. And they're like, if you get stuck on there, you're going to have a hard time getting back. And I was like, oh, gosh, darn it. And I felt so bad that I still mm. think about it to this day. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Special story time. <laughs> I think what we all need to do is if you're carrying a bag with your trash in it, when you first get that bag, get a piece of paper, write on it. A note that says, I'm sorry, I forgot this. Please forgive me. So <laughs> if you don't forget, you're fine. You just throw it away like normal. But if you do forget, somebody sees that and they're like, oh, they forgot. Mm. At least they apologize for it. Just a little uh, hot tip for mm. you suffering with anxiety like I might do. So try that. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't too often that like I was carrying around a bag of trash. But every now and then it would happen. Or I would keep like a, a an empty bottle in my backpack so I wouldn't even have an opportunity mm. to forget it. Number seven, social etiquette is very important. People do not eat while walking. Chopsticks don't get shoved standing upwards in rice. And I added, that's the funeral <laughs> pose of the chopsticks, the funeral tradition of having them stick upright. Mm. That's why we don't do it. And write a note on shoes again. So, right, take your shoes off before entering into an area usually there's a sign that says it or certain restaurants require you not all um to do that the not eating while walking i didn't know about that and i had gotten like a small ice cream or something and i, I kind of started walking in like the open face entrance of like a souvenir like shop and then hmm. some of my friends that were there with me were like, no, don't come in here with that. It's like, oh, right. It's not like I'm in the U.S. at the beach or something and can just walk into store to store eating food awkwardly. Or, you know, it's not like you have a Starbucks in your hand and you're walking in like the mall to all these stores. It's usually like a 
You just don't do that, which is also why there are trash bins at convenience stores where you sometimes you just finish your food real quick and you throw it away there, right? So mm. makes sense. I mean, I'd be for that if it also reduced the amount of trash people just leave anywhere <laughs> or they finish their coffee or whatever and like, ah, this place seems like a good place for my trash. I think that social etiquette cues, there's definitely some articles we could look at in the future of just that alone to cover like 10 or 20 different things. And I think that's some of the hardest stuff to get because you don't want to upset people. The not being loud on a train, that's one of them that some people don't know. And then you'll actually have people call you out on it or they'll tell you to be quiet. So Mm -hmm. Uh, number eight, sometimes people are almost too polite. So I guess this is a criticism of people bowing too much, I suppose. But, uh, you know, it's I'll take that over being an impolite jerk. I think, too, what it's getting at is this. I think there's a word for this, but it's when someone who is like Japanese uh, doesn't really know any English, but they will not allow you to say no to their help. So they will basically try to help you you'll have a map or something on your phone or in your hand and they'll just talk to you for 10 minutes in japanese no english and they're trying to explain to you things and then they'll start to lead you around the area that happened to me Hmm. because we were looking for a certain particular store and it was awesome that this person wanted to help but in the end we made no progress um but it was really cute how this person just wouldn't give up (laughs) it was is interesting (laughs) there's also people who know a little bit of english and that kind of like um not it it like basically gives them that opportunity finally in their life to use that english a little bit Mm -hmm. and they'll really push it whereas a lot of the times people who know english there don't want to use it because they're shy that's how i feel with japanese it's like oh I, i don't know how to use this but some people are just like throwing random things out there to the wind and you're like thank you for this experience (laughs) let's see number nine contrast and contradictions abound bullet train in the countryside ryokan traditional inn or capsule hotel so i think this person was surprised of the like the juxtaposition between right space age looking bullet trains going through the crazy Inaka countryside, like crazy speeds, what I mean. Uh, whereas, right, you could have like a Ryokan in Tokyo and then like right next door, like a big capsule hotel where you're sharing a massive space with people. And capsule hotels are usually just really small spots and not always very comfortable. And sometimes they're a little noisy because you can hear other people. Yeah, it's a really cool juxtaposition of culture at times. A lot of merging of the old and new. Mm-hmm. Number 10, sleeping on the subway is quite normal. So, I mean, you had a long day, maybe super long, and you're uh, going to zonk out a bit. That's fine. You can sleep. I mean, you're good to go. Uh, it's not uncommon for people to pass out and you'll feel their head on your shoulder. Like, mm. Part of me is like, dis- I'm disgusted at this. <laughs> the other part of me is like, oh, they trust me enough <laughs> to, you know, let me uh, prop them up in their time of need. It happens in, like, I remember, like, in New York, like, riding the subway every day. I would usually see someone dozing off. Uh, I never really saw people, like, putting their heads on somebody else. But I believe, from what I'm remembering, a handful of stories of, like, people just share that experience where someone, yeah, just passes out and their head goes on you and you're like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. How do I how do I handle this situation? 
<laughs> Stay so. still as much as you can, but if you have to move, oh well. Yeah. Like they're gonna wake up. But that brings us to the end of our list, our little bit of a quicker rundown of some extra things there for things that you should know before traveling to Japan. I yeah. think yeah, there's a lot more out there. There's a lot of cool resources and there's some uh really great articles that will go over even more things. And I think it's really great to know about a lot of this before you go because you don't want to be that person that gets in trouble or spoken to or really breaks some really strange unspoken rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of these, you know, it's just going to happen because you might not realize, you might not know, uh, especially as much hard as you try, like getting on the right train. If you didn't, if you never knew that there's like a women's only car and you're not paying attention to the science and stuff or like a business level car, you're not, you might mm-hmm. get on the wrong car and then usually you're going to be redirected pretty quickly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, as I yeah. like to call it, when I got on that business car, that guy stepped out, still don't know if it was flip-flops or socks. And he <laughs> guided me through the business train and brought me into a car that was, I call it like the commoner's car because it was just like <laughs> a bunch of teens like hanging around and they looked at me and they started laughing at me. That shouldn't help your anxiety, Randy, but I wanted to say that it was the most funny thing. I just kind of like walked in. The guy disappeared. He like went back through the business car, even though he wasn't dressed as the business people. And then like these like teens just turned to me and they start like giggling. And I kind of gave them like a thumbs up sign. I'm like, yeah, I'm awesome. Right. (laughs) So anyways, encountered the train elf. And he will help you, but he is magical and he will disappear when he's no longer needed. He was cool because he actually spoke to me a little bit of English, too. That 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 guy was really helpful. He was like, come with me. It's like, great. <laughs> Whereas there was a woman in, I don't know, like Shibuya or something holding a map and like trying for 20 minutes to explain how we just go around the block or something. But, mm. you know, anyways. <laughs> All right, Randy, thanks for going through those with us on this on this special bonus episode number nine. Yeah. Guess what, Randy? What? Episode 10 of the Japan Longing Club podcast is going to have our first travel story that was written for us to read. And I cannot wait. All right. Yeah. So I'm we actually excited. had a yeah we actually had a few people write in. Um, I am excited that we're gonna have some of those to read. Really looking forward to it. You've got your move coming up, so uh, by the time this episode comes out, you may have already moved. Yeah, that's very very true. Hopefully, mm-hmm. and hopefully yeah. I I didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> I think it. I think you're gonna be okay. Thank you. I I hope so too. I, I kind of need you for episode ten. Right. Yeah. yeah. But all right, everyone out there, if you would like to send us your travel stories too, or your questions, you can send them to longingclub at gmail.com, or you can message us on at Twitter at longingclub. Uh, Randy, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at saber underscore breaker, generally on that there Twitter. Mm. And you have a couple of podcasts that you do, right? That's true. I have We Got a Pod. Uh, Dragon Ball from A to Z that I do with my buddy Doug. We do that every other week. We just had an episode come out talking about the animated special episode of Bardock. And uh, I've got another one with some guy named Jared um, where we talk about revolutionary girl Utena 
and uh, we put out a new episode finally. I, it, it took a couple of months because I had other things. <clears throat> I had a Steam Deck and I got really into that and I didn't have spare time to do anything else. But got episode three out. So episode yeah. four will be out sometime and it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and a few places like that at Hot Anime Vlogger. And you can follow the Japan Longing Club podcast online at Longing Club on Twitter and look for the Japan Longing Club podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else that you listen to your podcast. And as they say, Randy, John A, have a good day and safe movings. <laughs> See you later. Alligator. <laughs> <laughs>